0: Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Cawley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Cawley.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. At Keystone Elder Law, we aim to shield the middle class from the costs and challenges of getting older. Of course, we do that from a legal perspective, to some extent a financial perspective. We're putting in place estate planning and asset protection planning because we see all the time the challenges that come down the pike uh, for families uh, when someone is in the second half of life. But of course, regular listeners of this show know that many of the episodes of this show are devoted to talking about issues that have nothing to do with with elder law. We're talking about all of the ways that you need to be prepared for the later years of life. And today's topic has to do with what happens every February in this country. It's called American Heart Month. Uh, Regular listeners may remember last year in February, we had Dr. Raj Dave from Cardiovascular Experts of Central Pennsylvania, and he talked about vascular health and If you want to keep your limbs, you know, certain things you can be doing. If you want to avoid heart disease, certain things you can be doing. I recommend you go back and find that episode on any podcast platform or on whp580.com. That was an excellent episode. Today, we're going to come at heart-related issues from a different angle. And some of you uh, listening to this show may remember just over a year ago in a football game that a lot of people were watching, there was an incident of sudden cardiac arrest. And it was Damar Hamlin. And he was playing for the Buffalo Bills. They were playing the Bengals. Damar Hamlin took an especially forceful blow to the chest and he hit the ground and he went into cardiac arrest. Now, the good news for Damar Hamlin is that he happened to have some highly trained professionals on both sidelines who immediately figured out what was happening they did CPR and got the blood flowing they were able to restore the rhythm in his heart but it you know after that of course cardiac arrest was on the radar screen for a lot of people there were a lot of uh, experts consulted for articles and i saw one where a cardiologist said, Look, I you know, football players wear these big uh pads on their chests and but but a forceful blow will will go right through those pads and it, I believe he said it would it would take uh there is a twenty millisecond interval in the heart cycle when a strong blow can cause arrhythmia and that's bad news. And that's essentially what happened there. But we have a wonderful guest today who knows a lot about sudden cardiac arrest and really to give you information because this could affect you personally, it could affect your older parents, your spouse, your children. This is something that that happens to people across the continuum of ages and stages of life. My guest today is Julie Walker from the Peyton Walker Foundation. Julie, thank you so much for being here on the show.
2: Thanks for the invite to be here.
1: Well, tell me. I so I started off with the story of Damar Hamlin. It's that's some that a lot of people will remember. Uh, but tell me about your personal story with cardiac arrest and what led to the foundation, the the Peyton Walker Foundation.
2: Well, to touch on on your comment about Damar Hamlin, you know that really, even if you weren't a football fan, everyone saw what happened to Damar, and that really put sudden cardiac arrest in the forefront. People got to visualize it. They understand, oh, my gosh, this is what happens when sudden cardiac arrest um, hits someone. So that has been an incredible um, help to our mission and really moved us forward. But our story, we we have a very different story. Um, our daughter, Peyton, graduated from uh, Trinity High School in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, in 2012, went off to college. She was studying to be a physician assistant, and on a beautiful Saturday morning, um, November 2013, We got the phone call that every parent absolutely dreads, and it was the president of King's College calling to let us know that our daughter had just been taken by ambulance to the hospital. And my husband and I, of course, were stunned. I mean, we were just having a cup of coffee, eating pancakes, enjoying the beautiful fall morning, and our entire world just turned upside down. And um, as we started getting dressed and figuring out what the heck to do, our phone rang again. And this time it was a nurse from the emergency department at Wilkes-Barre Hospital. And she called and said, we're letting you know that your daughter was just brought in in full cardiac arrest. We had no idea what that even meant. Um, and and I will say, I mean, at that moment, life as I knew it and loved it was over. I, I, I was absolutely paralyzed. So we got in the car, made the two hour drive. You don't want to get there, but you want to get there. You've no idea what you're going to face, but you kind of know what you're going to face. Um, the nurse told us, you know, just get here as quickly and safely as you can. She didn't really give us much more info. So we, we made the drive and, um, when we arrived, there were two priests waiting for us in the, in the emergency department. So we knew immediately, you know, this is not good. Um, we found out we, we lost Peyton to sudden cardiac arrest that day. We had no warning that something like that could happen. Uh, we didn't get to say goodbye. But um, what inspired us to start the Peyton Walker Foundation, um, as I left the hospital that day, they had handed me a bag of her clothing. And um, that bag sat on my living room floor for five weeks. And I finally worked up the courage to open that bag up. And in there, could not believe it. I pulled it out. It was a long sleeve red T-shirt. And on it, it said, what we do for ourselves dies with us. What we do for others in the world remains and is immortal. And if that's not a mission and a motivation to tell you, hey, do something with this, you know, I'm leaving, but you here's here's a mission that I'm leaving with you. So, we knew immediately, okay, we've got work to do. We need to figure out a way to spare other families from this devastation. So, we started the Peyton Walker Foundation. Peyton had wanted to work in healthcare. And I always, I do kind of joke and say, you know, she was the master manipulator. She was the quintessential middle child who figured out how to get everyone else to do her work for her. So, this was kind of her way. And um, I'll tell you what, it's been 10 years, and the, the work that we've been able to accomplish has just been incredible.
1: Well, and, and you say that this was a shock. Of course, it was a shock. Unlike a lot of families, you did at least know about a condition that, that was genetic. So talk about that a little bit.
2: Right. So in in my family, I was diagnosed in my late 20s with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And so then looking at my dad's um, health history, we figured out that's he had heart issues, but we figured out this is what it had started out as and his morphed into something else. Um, he ended up getting a heart transplant. But once they found hypertrophic cardiomyopathy in me, they started checking my children, and then eventually it did show up in Peyton when she was in about fifth grade. So, um, through heart screenings and regular testing, you know, she was monitored. She was followed by pediatric uh, cardiologists. We even took her up to Boston Children's Hospital. She was followed by one of the top pediatric cardiologists in the country for uh, cardiomyopathy. So this, but still, we never thought this would happen. We were doing everything right. Um, and it still happened to us, and and that's such a motivation to us because we knew. We're educated people. We had the resources, and we still lost our daughter, and along this journey, we've met so many families who had no idea their kiddos had this, you know, some hidden heart issue.
1: Sure. And think about all the people right now who are listening, and they have no idea that they have uh, an, an imbalance in the rhythm of their heart, uh, whether it's the uh, condition that that Peyton had, which I understand, results in sort of a thickening of the lining of the heart, as opposed to something I believe it's long QT, which is is a signaling error in the heart. But any one of these, people might be walking around and have no idea.
2: Well, you're absolutely right, and and then that kind of gets to another topic: is heart attack and cardiac arrest are two completely different components, and and so people often confuse them. Heart attack. When someone's having that, they normally they're sweaty, they've got chest pain, they're conscious, they just they know they don't feel well. We we liken it to, you know how your sink gets backed up when you you know you know it gets clogged up. You can see that it's happening. That's a heart attack. It's a plumbing issue, and a cardiac arrest. Like you know, again, picture Damar Hamlin falling to the ground. That's a cardiac arrest. He had right. no idea. Young it guy is,
1: in good shape. All the experts consulted by the the news media after that said. No, it's probably not a heart attack. I mean, that takes years and years of cheeseburgers and fries to clog up the, the arteries. This is this is cardiac arrest.
2: Right, completely. It's like a power failure. Like sitting, you know, imagine sitting in your living room and the lights go out. It's the same thing. Your heart is actually controlled by an electrical rhythm, and when that rhythm gets disrupted for whatever reason, it's lights out, game over, and you have minutes to try to save somebody's life because they are pretty much dead at that moment, and you've got to do something to get them back.
1: Right. Get the blood flowing Get it flowing to the brain, other parts of the body, that's CPR, get the rhythm back. That's what an AED.
2: Correct, an AED or automated external defibrillator, and that's a that is a key piece in saving somebody's life is right. getting that AED on their chest as soon as you can.
1: And if people need to picture what that is, picture those paddles that you put on a person's chest for the shock. I mean, that's that's an AED, and that's of course what the Peyton Walker Foundation uh, largely focuses on is availability of AEDs. How do you use an AED? How do you do CPR? That's that's, and we'll talk more about about what the Peyton Walker foundation does uh, when we come back from a break, but I wanted to sort of set the table with this is a unique phenomenon. You went through it personally. There, are, You know of other people who have gone through this, and you know because of your work, you've been able to save families from the heartache that you had to go through after losing your daughter. But my guest today is Julie Walker of the Peyton Walker Foundation. For more information, go to peytonwalker.org. That's P-E-Y-T-O-N-Walker.org. We'll be back in a moment for more of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580.
0: Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show, here on News Radio WHP 580.
1: I am speaking today with Julie Walker of the Peyton Walker Foundation. You can find them online at peytonwalker.org. That's P E Y T O N Walker.org. And before the uh, break, Julie, we were talking about the story of Damar Hamlin, uh, the Buffalo Bills NFL football player who took an explosive blow to the chest, went into cardiac arrest and had the good fortune to have highly trained professionals nearby who knew what to do. Uh, But we also talked about your daughter's uh, situation and what led you to do this work and make it your life's mission. And I, I think beyond the stories i mean just to put this in context for people the statistics are rather alarming don't you think on on the how frequently this happens
2: it, it is alarming and i'll tell you what i feel like it is so grossly underreported in our country and we know you know sudden cardiac arrest is the number one killer of student athletes and that should get your attention and every day every hour we lose another child to sudden cardiac wow. arrest now ima- imagine so that's 20 to 25 kids a day we're losing what if 20 to 25 kids a day were being shot or, you know, that would make the news that would be everywhere. But the fact that these were losing these children to sudden cardiac arrest, it's not in the news. It is a health crisis that's so grossly underreported. And we know there's over a thousand cardiac arrests across the country every single day. So, you know, 350 to 360,000 people every year in the United States are suffering a sudden cardiac arrest. Um, and it's the leading cause of death on school campuses I mean the statistics are absolutely startling and and people always say or think that it's more an athlete that this, ha- this happens more often to athletes but it's actually not true. We see those headlines because we see a lot of those cardiac arrests are witnessed. We see kids, you know, drop over on the football field or the basketball court.
1: Or the marathoner, you hear about that, and then people want to say, well, you shouldn't be running marathons or you shouldn't be playing football because you're going to take a blow to the chest, you know.
2: Right, right, and it's not just athletes, and that's something I really want to drive home the, the importance of is we know statistics, I just came from a conference where they discussed some of the newer statistics, and it's showing four to five times non-athletes are more likely to have sudden cardiac arrest than an athlete. That was highly disturbing to me because we've been so, not not us, but a lot of other organizations are very focused on the athletes. We just want everyone to be aware that this is across all generations, athletes, non-athletes, whatever. It, it is an issue.
1: Was there discussion at the conference about, or in anything else that you've come across in your, your research and your mission about age ranges? Because it seems to me this is sort of young people to old people. It could be the listeners, like I said before the break. It could be their parents. It could be their children.
2: Absolutely. Like I said, a thousand a day. So, And that is across all generations. And and we'll talk about this coming up in one of our pillars of service, but the AEDs that we've put out, we know they have saved a child, a parent, and two grandparents. So that's perfect proof that we're serving across all age categories for sure.
1: And you you before the break, you were talking about how this is different from this is not a this is an electrical issue, not a plumbing issue. So if you have a heart attack, as people tend to call it, that's a myocardial infarction. So there's a blockage, blood is not getting to the heart muscle, that's bad news. And there's a certain set of symptoms. Here, we're talking about, you know, like you said, you turn the lights off, the power goes out. Okay, that's a different issue. That's an electrical impulse problem. And whether it's the uh, hypertrophic cardio, cardiomyopathy, which I believe Peyton had and you said is a, is a genetic issue in your family, uh, where the heart walls are thickened, or it's long QT syndrome, which is a heart signaling disorder. I'm sure there are others. These are the electrical uh, stimuli problem. Is, is there any sort of warning Before this happened, I mean, other—I don't think Demar Hamlin, a young athletic guy—I don't think he had any warning before he got hit, uh, and maybe that was just getting hit at the wrong time in the cycle of his heart's rhythm. But does somebody like Peyton or somebody, uh, a grandparent, know that they're about to have problems?
2: You know, that, that's a great question. So Damara was absolutely, that was a freak, like what happened, such a freak accident. It was commodio cortis, and it, like you said, it has to happen at exactly the right spot, the exact moment of that heart rhythm. So that's a very unique um, occurrence of sudden cardiac arrest. What's more common are these issues we're discussing today, these underlying heart issues. It could be viral, it could be genetic, it could be supplements, anything that causes a disruption to that heart rhythm. So a lot of the symptoms that people may experience, and and at this conference I was just at, it was also interesting, it said most of these kids who have cardiac arrest did have one or two symptoms within the four weeks leading up to their arrest, and they didn't realize it. But um, we talk a lot about, are they feeling palpitations or flutters in the heart, Lightheadedness is a huge uh, signal. And passing out. Passing out is the number one sign that there could be an underlying heart issue. And a lot of times that just gets dismissed. Like, oh, well, he just finished working out and he passed out. He's fine. He's going to have some Gatorade. Just need to eat something. Right. Eat something. But no, pay attention to this. This is very, very serious. If a kid is passing out, especially after exertion, really, you should go get their hearts checked just to be sure there's nothing going on. So we talk about chest pain and pressure. All of these things um, are potential indicators that there could be an underlying heart issue. And, And what's really important, too, is some of these kids have felt this their entire life. So they don't even realize it's abnormal to feel lightheaded or to feel flutters in the heart. Maybe they just assume everybody feels flutters in their hearts. So I think it's really important for parents to have the conversations with the kiddos and just say, hey, By chance. Do you ever feel any of these? Do you get lightheaded? Do you pass out? Do you have chest pain or pressure? Do you have the flutters in the heart? And let them know that it's not normal. And they should definitely let you know if they're experiencing
1: any of those. So let's talk about you you call it the pillars of service. So the Peyton Walker Foundation was was started uh now how many years ago? How long after Peyton's death did was it started?
2: And we started within two months. We okay. were yeah. So in twenty fourteen we we really kicked things off. So it's hard to believe it's been a decade now. Right? It's just unbelievable.
1: Well and you have a lot of success to show for it, uh, which we'll discuss. But let's talk about what what's the what are the key activities or or um, missions of the Peyton Walker Foundation.
2: We really stepped back and tried to figure out what's the best way to make the greatest impact on helping to save lives, and we came up with three. Heart screenings is so important because so many kids have underlying heart issues that have never been diagnosed. Um, AED uh, donations, so we're donating defibrillators all throughout um, central Pennsylvania, focusing mostly on where... Children play sports or if where they gather for theater or, theater or whatever, just wherever kids are congregating. Um, and then the third component is CPR and AED education and awareness. So we want to make sure that we're creating this culture of responsiveness, that we're giving people the skills that can help save a life in the, case, in the event they're ever faced with a cardiac emergency.
1: And I'm not going to let you sell yourself short. I know from back in the time when I worked in the legislature, first of all, I know how hard it is to take an idea— get it through what is designed to be a bottleneck to weed out maybe not so good ideas and get to the governor's desk what it really needs to change in Pennsylvania policy and law. You shepherded. I mean, I, there has to be a legislator involved, and I'm sure you, you made good relationships there. But you shepherded legislation through that process, and it became law, I believe, in 2020 to uh to impact what you're talking about, to get to get before parents information that they need, to make it available through the Department of Education, to make it part of that physical they have to have before participating in sports. So talk a little bit about that.
2: You you say it in such an eloquent way, and then I I, I never give myself any credit for anything that we've accomplished. So it sounds, I'm like, wow, that who did that? That's amazing. And I'm like, oh, wait, we, we did that. Um, yes, so I'm so proud of this. We got Peyton's Law passed in 2020 during our nation's most co- politically contentious time. And I'm really happy to say this was passed unanimously, a complete bipartisan support. So Peyton's Law really helps to educate and inform parents and athletes about what we talked about here earlier, the signs and symptoms to watch for, and also let kids know that um, they have the opportunity to get their heart screened. And a baseline electrocardiogram can help tremendously to uncover and identify these hidden heart issues that can lead to cardiac arrest. We, we touched on that briefly. You know, when kids get a sports physical, nobody checks their hearts. We're, we're listening, you know, listening for a murmur. A murmur is not going to cause cardiac arrest. You know, we're checking to see um, what their height, weight, and blood pressure is. It's just such a basic uh, physical that it's underserving these kids. And and I, I think the standard of care needs to be changed but Peyton's Law at least gives information to the parents and the athletes, tells them, hey, here's what to watch for. Here's what you should do. You should go get an electrocardiogram. And also, if any, if the kids are experiencing any of these signs or symptoms or if their EKG comes back abnormal, then they should work with their coaches and then follow up and get additional care as needed.
1: Right. And and there is, and that's the point. I mean, early detection before there's a problem might tell that child who just has always felt this way, no, there is something abnormal, and there is care, there is treatment. Uh, So I imagine Peyton had some, uh, some care once she knew she had a condition.
2: Absolutely, and we have screened over the years, we've screened thousands of kids and identified hundreds of issues, and many of these kids have gone and had surgical intervention. Some of them are just on medication. Uh, some of them are just monitored. So there, there's all different s- outcomes and remedies for these different heart issues that we're finding. So definitely, I mean, it, it's not the end. You know, Some kids worry, oh, I don't want to find anything in my heart because then I won't be able to play sports. And that's not always the outcome. I'm, I'm here to let you know there's always good opportunities for other outcomes as
1: well. Right. And, and rather than walk around with an unknown ticking time bomb, let's let's know about something. Let's see if we can manage it.
2: Absolutely. And too often, sudden death is the first sign or symptom right. that there's a heart problem. So let, let's not let that be the first sign or symptom.
1: And I think that's probably the the, the starkest uh, statistic of them all is when it does happen, the survival rate is incredibly low.
2: It is less than 10 percent. And that's awful. That's absolutely right. awful. And that's why I said, you know, when someone's in cardiac arrest, they're basically dead and you have minutes to work on getting them back to life. So,
1: And most people don't have a sideline of professionally trained you know, people like uh, trainers and doctors like Damar Hamlin had. Most people are walking around uh, not knowing there's a problem. And then when it happens, there's nobody who can diagnose it and immediately do CPR and, or and use an AED and do what needs to be done.
2: Well, exactly. And, you know, as we were talking before the show started, I said survival shouldn't depend on luck. And, you know, DeMar Hamlin was awfully lucky. Wow, everything worked perfectly for him. So that's why we're really trying to create this culture of responsiveness so that survival doesn't depend on luck. It, you survive because we've taught the community how to respond and, and, and how to be prepared. And
1: your luck gets a lot better when you're equipped with information and then care uh, that might be available. So you're increasing people's luck a whole lot by, by what you're doing. We'll come back and speak some more with Julie Walker of the Peyton Walker Foundation. We'll come back after a break. You can you can find more information about the Peyton Walker Foundation at peytonwalker.org. P E Y T O N walker.org. We'll be back for more of the Later in Life Planning show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law right here on News Radio WHP 580.
0: Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Colley.
1: Today we are speaking with Julie Walker of the Peyton Walker Foundation. That's PeytonWalker.org, P-E-Y-T-O-N Walker.org. And Julie, before the break, we were going into uh, some of the uh, initiatives that the Peyton Walker Foundation has put in place over the last decade and the success you have seen. Here's a very basic question: If you, if I, if I witnessed somebody going into what appeared to be cardiac arrest? What is the appropriate approach? What do you do?
2: Well, we like to teach people: call, push, shock. I mean, remember the days when we were growing up: stop, stop drop, drop, and roll. roll yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> and how many forest fires have, or how many times have you been on fire? So we're trying to teach people now: call, push, shock. So if you see someone collapse suddenly, um, and and they're not responsive, you just assume they're having a cardiac arrest. And and what's de- de- deceptive too is sometimes it may look like they're in a seizure but it could be cardiac arrest. We have a great video on our website about what does sudden cardiac arrest look like, and it's, it's phenomenal to watch, especially coaches should watch that so they understand what's going on. But anyway, uh, call, push, shock. So call 911 immediately, push hard and fast on the chest, and shock with an AED. Like I said, every minute counts, and that's why our survival rates are so low uh, for sudden cardiac arrest, less than 10%. And when you're having a 1,000 a day in the United States, that's a really bad outcome.
1: And I love that you mentioned a relevant audience who really should make this a priority. Coaches, and how many people out there volunteer, you know, whether it's the elementary, middle school level, high school level, even college, uh, how many people are the volunteer for a Boy Scout or Girl Scout uh, group? How many people are working, like you said, in theater? I mean, there's a lot of people doing great work with younger people, even at a, if you work at a senior center, if you work, you know, anywhere you're where you're working with other people, the numbers are are there that, that this could happen. And n- knowing something as memorable as call, push, shock, that's good. Mm-hmm. And then going to the website and, and getting more information is good. But let's talk about the, uh, the one initiative that the Peyton Walker Foundation does, which is the donations of these AED devices. And uh, that alone, I mean, that's going to be the that's going to be the shock. So talk to me about that and and in particular I believe you have an initiative called 4 Minute City. So tell me a little bit about that.
2: Well, it's really it's really interesting especially since the Demar Hamlin incident our request for AEDs has just been through the roof. We we can't keep up. We don't have enough funds to get all the AEDs out that that are being requested, which is frustrating to me because I think, you know, if somebody wants to be responsible and have an AED, I want to make sure we can make it happen. So we're we're trying to figure out a solution for that, but Um, We've donated AEDs, like I said, to nonprofits, area um, youth organizations, uh, little leagues, uh, all all over the place where we know people gather. And it's so important to get these AEDs out there, but also the training as as well so people know how to use them. Um, We try to place them very specifically so that we know they're accessible when they're needed, that's really important. We don't want people to lock them up, put them in a closet, and then they're they're not accessible. So that that's part of the education process too. That we work with organizations when we do do make these donations. Um, so over the years, we've donated hundreds of AEDs, gotten them out everywhere. We know we've had a couple saves, which is absolutely incredible. You know, it just it's so it it's just so inspiring. And it, it, it you know every day I wake up, I'm like, who who and where do I need to get an AED today? Whose life am I supposed to be saving? You know, what what work needs to be done? We're never, never done. Um, but one, and I'm smiling as I say this, because one of the things I'm incredibly proud of is the new initiative we're rolling out in Cumberland County called the Four Minute City. And it's a new um, AED that is connected to the 911 center. So one of the big problems and why survival rates are so low, although we're getting more AEDs out into the community Nobody knows where the uh, cardiac arrests are. So, like, for instance, I have multiple AEDs in my house. If my next-door neighbor had a cardiac arrest, how would I ever know? I would not know to run over and take my AED there. So now this game-changing technology... Uh, with the Avive AED, it's so cool. It's it's about the size of two iPhones next to each other. It's super small. You can throw it in a bag, um, very portable, but it's connected to the 911 center. So when they get a call and they suspect a cardiac arrest, they can actually put an alert out to these devices saying, hey, there's a cardiac arrest nearby. Here's the address. Can you take this AED? So,
1: so they're empowering like neighbors. Correct. Oh, okay.
2: Correct. Game-changing. And that's why this is what's going to move that needle on the survival rates we're, we're hoping. So we have, uh, we're in the process of putting 300 of these connected AEDs out into Cumberland County. We are giving them away. They are free. There is no cost. All you have to do is be willing to respond. So we have, I think, about 60 AEDs left to give out. Um, you do have to complete minimal training but what's really cool we're the third location in the United States there's three three places in the entire country rolling out this project right now and i is like wow when is pennsylvania ever a leader in anything anything <laughs> not
1: not often <laughs> yeah
2: not often <laughs> and and so that's part of this legacy i'm i'm so proud that we really our work has put central pennsylvania on the map nationally as a leader in prevention awareness and survival of sudden cardiac arrest like this is huge, what's what's happening here, and people aren't even really aware of this. So anyway, this 4-Minute City project, if anyone is interested, lives in Cumberland County, wants to be part of it, it's free. Again, we've got about 60 AEDs left to get um, to get deployed. You have to be willing to respond to an emergency, and it's pretty cool because I get an alert every time there's a cardiac arrest in Cumberland County. I get the alert that there's a cardiac arrest happening. So we know there's arrests happening we know there's an opportunity for citizens to respond and help to save a life. And, you know, if anyone's interested in that, I'd, we'd love to have you join the program.
1: That is so tremendous. And in as you're describing that, I'm picturing I live in a fairly dense residential neighborhood in Cumberland County. And you can just like I could run to I mean, I'm thinking western parts of the county. It's farmland. They've got to get in the car and go to see a neighbor and time is against them. But, you know, in neighborhoods like mine in the eastern part of the county, somebody could run out their door and save a life. Oh, it's that.
2: crazy. Yeah. I mean, you just think they're so easily accessible. And, and that's really where we really want to try to focus, especially like Shippensburg, Chambersburg, down in that area. You know, it could take eight to 15 minutes for EMS to arrive. Right. And you can't stand there and just wait and do nothing. Um, survival every minute counts. So that's why this is so important in the four minutes. that the, the goal is to get these AED pads on a victim within four minutes of that call coming into the 911 center. And it's going to be hopefully have a significant impact on on survival rates of cardiac arrest.
1: Sure. And and by the way, I'm th- I'm listening to this and I'm thinking what would the pushback be? Why would somebody not sign up for this? And maybe it's well, I don't I don't want to be responsible for someone passing away. I don't want to get sued. I can tell you from the legal perspective there is such a thing as the good Samaritan law which says, look, if something goes haywire but you were trying to help, you're not responsible. Oh, you know, it's so
2: good to have your a lawyer's opinion on this. Thank you.
1: This, this is you know you pull over on the side of the road to help somebody. And by the way, just at the end of last week, I had somebody you know one of these guys weaving in and out of traffic on a motorcycle at about ninety miles an hour, and he lost it right in I mean right in front of my car. I almost ran him over on the roadway. But I got out of the car. Uh, I helped him out, and I knew in the back of my head, if something goes wrong with this guy, I'm not going to get sued. I'm trying to help. And that's what people who, if you're thinking you could be helpful with one of these four-minute city AEDs, that should give you some comfort. You, you're, you're there to help. Uh, you're, you're not going to face liability uh, if the person ends up passing away. So uh, hopefully that helps. And I'd like to talk, too, about the, the CPR training, uh, because the, 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 it's, if it's call, push, shock, we just talked about the shock. What's the, Talk to me about the push.
2: So the push is really important. We've got to get that oxygenated blood moving through someone's body when they're in cardiac arrest. We've got to protect the brain and what's left of the heart at that point. So getting that oxygenated blood going through the body is so important. And another huge change um, in CPR lately is we don't do the breaths anymore. We don't have to do rescue breathing unless it's an infant or a drowning victim. Um, but adults have enough oxygenated blood in their system to to live for several minutes they don't need oxygen that's so.
1: interesting so TV might be lying to us there yes you know, <laughs> yes your, that's your, old old your, your training will set them straight
2: absolutely absolutely and if it's a, if it's somebody you know and you you're you feel compelled to do rescue breathing by goodness go do it but um, in today's world with you know with fentanyl and everything else i I don't want to put my mouth on somebody I don't know I don't know what caused their cardiac arrest so I'm not taking the chance but um, we we're we try to get out in the community. Um, we, we're very good partners with PIAA District 3. We go down to the basketball championships. We do CPR demos all along the concourse. Um, we go to community health fairs uh, first first Friday or first night out, I forget what it's called, um, every August. So we're out in the community. We go to baseball games everywhere to try to teach people how to do CPR. It's so important. It takes just a few minutes to learn.
1: And I think on your website at, at peytonwalker.org, uh, there are ways to sign up for training, and also uh, well, I'll talk about some other things people could sign up for But uh, it, when we come back from a break, but, but can they find resources to get CPR training there?
2: Absolutely, and we'll also go out and do private classes. If you don't want to attend one of our public classes but you'd like to have certification, we're more than happy to come out to your business or, or community.
1: My guest today is Julie Walker from the Peyton Walker Foundation, peytonwalker.org, that's P-E-Y-T-O-N-Walker.org. We'll come back and talk about sudden cardiac arrest after a break. More on the later in life planning show, right here on News Radio WHP five eighty.
0: It's the later in life planning show here on News Radio WHP five eighty. Now your host Patrick Colley.
1: We've been speaking today about sudden cardiac arrest, uh, something that that affects people of all ages from your children to your spouse to your parents anybody could have this issue and a lot of it comes down to knowing ahead of time that maybe you have an underlying undiagnosed heart issue and Julie Walker from the Peyton Walker Foundation has been sharing the resources that that her initiative has been providing to the uh, to to the success of saving lives for about a decade, and Julie, you've talked about making the the AED devices available. You've talked about CPR training, and all of this is available at PeytonWalker.org. But uh, you also offer. Uh, heart screenings so you go into schools or maybe other settings and you do screenings tell me a little bit about that
2: well over the past 10 years we've screened thousands of kids like i had mentioned earlier and out of that we found a couple hundred that have had issues and in it's every screening event it's unbelievable what we're finding in these kiddos again completely missed during a sports physical not given during a well child visit so what we do at our heart screenings we are listening for murmurs We're giving them an electrocardiogram. Remember how we talked about how this is an electrical problem? So we're giving them an electrical um, test, basically, seeing if there's anything wrong with with the circuit of the heart. Um, it's and, so, and so important. And I've had those
1: done. There's, it's, there's no, it's not d- uncomfortable. It's just you put these things and they they hook you up to a little machine that gives a readout, and you don't right. feel anything.
2: It's painless. It's not invasive. Anything. So it's not the standard of care yet. We would love to see it be the standard of care for all kids that that they get electrocardiograms. Um, but in the meantime, we're we're working on going out to schools and providing these. Now, unfortunately, we're not able to get to every school, every kid. It, it's just a daunting task that will never happen. Um, So if you're not able to get to one of our heart screenings, we just urge parents, make sure you ask your pediatrician or primary care doctor, ask them for an electrocardiogram for your kids. It's never too early to start those, and they should be repeated every two years. So get a baseline electrocardiogram and just make sure everything's okay with your kiddos.
1: And switching to another initiative I found on PeytonWalker.org, talk to me about Huddle for Hearts.
2: So Huddle for Hearts was born after out of the DeMar Hamlin incident. You know, I thought, OK, Peyton Walker doesn't really mean anything outside of central Pennsylvania. And how can we still carry on the mission on a national level? So we started Huddle for Hearts. Um, and our, our goal is to partner with athletes at all different levels, you know, high school, collegiate and professional, and ask them to share on their platforms information about cardiac arrest, talk about the signs and symptoms like we just did today, uh, promote call push shock, make sure people have AEDs accessible. So we're using the platforms that they have to really raise awareness and help increase survival rates of sudden cardiac arrest. And then two, we either partner with the athlete or a team to raise money to purchase AEDs and then give those AEDs um, out to particularly underserved youth organizations where they're really needed the most. And one of our athletes, uh, we had a great campaign with Bru McCoy. He's a wide receiver uh, at the University of Tennessee. For every touchdown he caught this past season, we donated AEDs. And it was a really cool outing. We went down to Tennessee um, during the summer donated some AEDs and just to see these little kiddos playing football, you know, running around the football field, Brew had brought about 10 of his his teammates with them and it was just a great experience. They all learned CPR together. And it's just really bringing everybody together, raising awareness, preparing people in case there's a cardiac emergency, they, they know what to do. And we're, we really want to just continue growing this program on a national scale. So you know, taking Peyton Walker and the entire concept of this foundation that we're running turn it into something that becomes a household name, a huddle for hearts. I mean, every sport has a huddle and, you know, who can't get on board with huddle for hearts. It's just a great initiative and uh, we we expect it to really grow and take off over the next few
1: years. And as much as you emphasized earlier in the show that this is not just an athletics issue, this happens to, to many, many more times people who are not engaged in any sort of athletic uh, competition or practice, uh, it helps to have big names. You know, somebody like those little kids probably saw Brew McCoy, you know, come onto their field and they'll never forget that. The parents won't forget it either. And so it's it's a nice vehicle to spread the word if you're trying to spread the word.
2: Absolutely. I mean, just think of the following that these people have. And we're hoping that someday Bronnie James or LeBron James will take what happened to Bronny. He had a cardiac arrest last summer. Take that. They've got an incredible platform. So sure reach about it you know I, I think it's just not the timing's not right for them right now but I'm hoping at some point they'll use the platform they have and they have a wide wide audience to reach
1: and you've you've worked with other athletes I believe there are uh skiers soccer players
2: right like I said we're, we're continuing to grow we're, yeah. we're in discussion with Penn State women's athletics to get them on board um and it's just, it's, it's going to grow across all all sports for sure. Um, and at the high school level, we did something here uh, locally with Trinity High School. Their football team got involved. We did touchdowns for AEDs. We just wrapped up an initiative with the wrestling team for every pin they had. We had a sponsor who sponsored um, every pin and gave us money that we'll then turn around and buy AEDs and get them donated back to the community.
1: That's good to hear. It's Peyton's alma mater and mine. Go Shamrocks. <laughs> and I'm glad to hear that. that And I hope it spreads locally and nationally. Um so what are some of the upcoming events that that people should know about where we've talked about the mission, we've talked about the origin story of the Peyton Walker Foundation, you know— the- People might want to get involved. And number one, I, I'm going to keep saying the name of the website, patentwalker.org, because you can sign up for the CPR training that we talked about. You can find resources that you need. The video that Julie mentioned of someone having a, a cardiac arrest, what you know, know what that looks like. So there's resources there, but they might want to know what else you're up to. Uh, so talk about that a little bit.
2: You know, it's funny. I, I fell fell into this whole world of nonprofit, and I love doing the work. But then I'm like, oh wait, it actually takes money to do the work. So we have to figure out how to raise the money to to make the work possible. And I hate this part of the job. Sure. But because I hate normal fundraising, I'm like, let's do something so outside the box and make it fun and you know adventurous. Peyton loved adventure. She worked at Roundtop uh, Mountain Resort. You know, pretty much year round, all the different seasons, all the different sports and activities up there. So Roundtop has been a great partner of ours. We host the adventure race at Roundtop. Uh, we do a 5K and a 2K. It's gonna be on Saturday, May 18th. Tons of fun. Like I can't even tell you. It's kind of like a tough mutter concept. Um I'm a spectator. I am not a, a participant, uh, but it's so much fun. We have bands. We have food trucks. It's it's You want to get muddy, that's fine. If you want to just spectate like I do, you can just do that.
1: And people can volunteer.
2: You can volunteer. I mean, it's just a great community day. Hundreds of people come together, celebrate Peyton on the mountain that she absolutely loved. So we encourage people. We're also doing a corporate challenge. On May sixteenth, uh, leading up to the adventure race, so we've got corporate teams signing up to compete. It's kind of a like a not a full two k, but it'll be all kinds of fun adventures uh, for corporate people to come out and enjoy that as well. But we just try to think outside the box. How can we be a little bit different? Because I don't want to be a you know normal boring fundraising person. Uh, We want to engage the community. We want to raise awareness and just, you know, get everybody supporting the mission one way or another.
1: Well, and I can think, you know, I, I understand completely not wanting to have your hand out and have to explain this is the mission and could you give us money. There is something uncomfortable about that. But just in telling your story today, there have to be listeners out there who have been personally impacted by sudden cardiac arrest who are suddenly thinking, you know, I've been looking for a charitable donation to make. I want to include this in my will. Whatever the case may be, um, can people find information on your website if they just want to give— I mean, yes, these events are fantastic, and they maybe they'll do that, too. They'll show up as a volunteer. They'll just come to hang out at this great event. Um but is there a way that people can can give money to the Peyton Walker Foundation
2: Absolutely you can donate directly online at peytonwalker.org uh we're also at the point now that we're 10 years old and and really starting to figure this all out as we've been going along you know we're creating legacy partners like you were saying and you know, people may want to leave um a part of their trust to the Peyton Walker Foundation when they pass away or just just a legacy um endowment to to us to continue this work it, it, we're doing incredible things we are absolutely trailblazers in what we're doing um, on a national level we're you know receiving national recognition for the work we're doing. We're part of a national database study for our heart screening program run through Duke University it, it's it's incredible what what we're doing and the people that we're affiliated with but it takes money to get this done so we're so grateful to any donation that comes in. Any partnership, you know, we love if you're if you have a story about sudden cardiac arrest, reach out, let us know, share it with us. We want to know. But there, there's a lot of education that needs to take place. And I, I, we're so grateful for opportunities like this to to have the platform to share the message.
1: Right. And there's even a, a swag uh, section where you can buy a Peyton Walker Foundation T-shirt. And if I can make a suggestion, I'd love to see one because I was looking for it. A T-shirt that uh, has the quote from Peyton herself that has and I know it's from Albert Pines but what we do for ourselves dies with us what we do for others and the world remains and is immortal that's such a great quote and it's now the mission statement that started the Peyton Walker Foundation and and I'm sure is the wind in your sails on those mm-hmm. days where you just can't maybe <laughs> summon the motivation to to go forward and we all have days like that but what a what a powerful quote and that's really what you're doing for people
2: yeah, just hearing you say it gives me goosebumps, to be honest. So it's it it, It's a great mission. Um, she left one heck of a message, and I could not be more proud of the legacy that we've built in her honor.
1: Uh, that's understandable. So my guest today has been Julie Walker of the Peyton Walker Foundation, peytonwalker.org. Julie, thank you so much for sharing your experience and your insights.
2: Thank you again for having us and, and allowing us to, to raise awareness of this incredible Health issue that people need to pay attention to.
1: Certainly. I hope you'll join me for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show next week, same time, same place. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about planning for the years ahead, from a legal perspective, go to KeystoneElderLaw.com and use the Workshops tab to join some free education. We'll see you next time on the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio, WHP 580.